Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Inside the Orange podcast. The podcast all about understanding the people around us. Now first of all guys, thanks so much for the feedback and support I've received since last week's episode with the Motivational Firewood guy, Steve Gamlin. And this week we are delighted to be joined by Mark Holson. Mark is a leadership coach who I met via LinkedIn and we've had such a great load of communication since, uh, since that day we met. And he's really inspirational and I'd love you guys to see and hear his story. So, let's get into the episode. So my guest today is somebody I found at a very pivotal time in my life. So when I was starting to get into the motivational speaking, when I was starting to do the podcast, I found the most positive and just amazing leadership coach online. His videos, his posts were just so inspiring. His name's Mark Holson and he joins me here today. Mark, how's your day been so far? Well, it's been amazing, but it's just been made all the better by your introduction. So thank you for that. Um, Yeah, really good day. I've been speaking to, I've literally been speaking to leaders from all around the world today um, and and just finding out more about them. So it's been a great day of networking for me. Fantastic. Great to hear. I love your stuff on there. So just for the benefit of my listeners, just tell me about Mark. Where do I start? Um, So... You've already said the role that I do. I I, I mentor and coach leaders um, to be inspirational, high performing, love their job, create great teams, uh, and I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But it's been a long journey to this point. Um, so I I can rewind and tell you all about my career, starting at sixteen on a checkout, um, and how I had my first opportunity to. Um, lead a team when I was 17 uh, and and kind of gone from there okay. um, no so, well how about we start there let's start there um so yeah I was at college I was doing computer studies um and I'll, I'll be really honest I really didn't want to do it um I was I was encouraged to do it by my mum who said that my choice of performing arts was never going to be something I turned into a career so here was the deal you can do performing arts after you've done computer studies so i went and did computer studies there was elements of it i loved uh, which was communication skills which was business law which have probably served me really well in my career um but overall there was something missing so i ended up dropping out of college and going full time on a checkout in safeways uh, and i loved it um i was probably one of the only teenagers in during the week um because everyone else was at college Um, And I just mixed with some amazing people, met some amazing people um, and was given the opportunity quite quickly to get off that checkout and start to learn some new skills. People invested in me Um, and that got me into a supervisor position by the time I was 17, um, working with some amazing people who were a lot wiser, a lot more savvy than I was as a 17 year old. Um, So I had to learn pretty quickly, how do you connect and engage with people and how do you just you know, get people to want to work with and for you. Mm-hmm. So that was great. I then got headhunted by Asda to be a customer service manager um, when I was 19. Um, and then I found myself leading a team of 110 people uh, 
I had the, the oldest person that worked for me was 87. He worked out in the car park collecting trolleys. He was phenomenal. His name was Thomas. Um, and actually what I had out in the car park was a team of ex-waterboard people that had retired but wanted a hobby. Um, so came and worked for me out there. Um, but obviously I had people that were slightly younger than me that were, were kind of doing the role that I'd done balancing college and a supermarket career um, at the same time. Um, and I just loved it. Asda taught me so much about people. Uh, they had a great culture, um, they had great values, great vision, um, and taught me so much. And the one thing that stuck with me from Asda throughout my career is um, their leadership approach, which was getting things done with and through others, willingly and well. And I think I've carried that throughout and that's really supported me. So from there, I've, I've worked my way through various roles um, in, in retail. I was then given the opportunity to step into HR by an old manager that used to work for me. He went to Sainsbury's and he was like, come across, join me, be my HR manager. And I was like, I can't do that. I know nothing about HR. And he was like, you do and you don't even realise it because what you've been doing in your leadership roles is what we need in terms of HR. If you can just teach people how you lead people, that'd be great. Um, so I did and that started my career in, in HR. Um, I then went from Sainsbury's to B&Q. So from tins of beans to tins of paint, I call it, thinking, ah, oh, it won't be too much of a, of a challenge. It will be all the same. I was so wrong. Um, <laughs> because people who walk into Sainsbury's or Asta or Safeways, kind of know what they're getting, they kind of know what they want, they might not always know where it is. People that walk into B&Q, they really need someone with real expertise around how you do this stuff. So there was a, a really different skill set required of the, the people that worked in B&Q. Mm. Um, and, and that kind of challenged me slightly, but I loved it, loved the culture. Um, I then went into real estate or estate agency, I went to um, Countrywide, um, as an HR business partner for the managing director. Uh, again, a huge journey, huge opportunity. Um, and it wasn't long before they asked me, would I go back into an operational role and be a regional director? So my, my career has just been a big circle, really, from, from a checkout colleague into operational roles, into HR, through customer service, and then back out into an operational role. And... Um, it, it's been amazing. So, so that's me from from a career. That's my CV for you. No, and that's brilliant. Something that really comes from that is they. You said they are. They were all very different jobs. They were very, you know, from from tins of beans to tins of paints to to, to to selling houses, things like that. How was the leadership? Was that very different in everyone, or is there kind of links to every? Is leadership a, a, a larger or a smaller thing than changing uh, changing industries? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know where I'm going with that? Uh, yeah, I understand. I think, do you know what? There is like a core that runs through you with leadership, that it doesn't matter what industry you're in, what business you're in, it is the people element. And although people are very diverse and very different, there are so many commonalities that it, it just, you lead people in the same way. You care about them, you support them, you understand them, you support them, you drive them forwards. Um, you get them excited, you communicate well. That doesn't matter whether it's tins of beans, tins of banks, houses, working in a bank, you know, from the leaders I've been working with since. Uh, it, it just doesn't matter. It's, it's the same thing. Um, and good leaders have a core set of beliefs that really help them to want to work well with people and want to engage with people and want 
they they make people important they see that as the most important part of their role uh, and that makes the difference it's really interesting and you said you kind of this this happened 16 17 years old so you, you, you're probably a different person to what you were at 17, but do you have that leadership in you at that age? Can Are there 17-year-old leaders even out there now, like 17, 18-year-old, fresh out of school, are there leaders in them, or do they need a little bit of life experience before they can be a leader? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I wasn't a natural-born leader. Um, I will tell you that when I, when I first started in Safeways and they said that I was going on the checkout on my own, I actually stood there and cried and said, I can't do it. Um, so to go from that to leading a team of people at 17 was a big transition. Mm. But there are people out there that get it and can, can understand how to connect with people. And I think that's the fundamental skill that great leaders need is the ability to connect with people. And there's some 16, 17, 18 year olds out there that yeah haven't got a lot of life experience behind them, but just have this, this awareness, this understanding of how to build relationships. Uh, and it's leading is relationships. So yeah, they can do it. I sure. mean, one of the one of the best things is to say when I found you on LinkedIn, and again, I, I I can't speak highly enough about LinkedIn. I love it. You know, I'm on there possibly too much if you ask my wife. Um, but I, I love it, and I love the fact that you can connect with people. And since I've been doing it, since I opened my kind, of, I did a video today. But since I've opened my mindset, you don't kind of there's no bad person to connect with. Really, I haven't found yet. Okay, I'm going to be honest. You know, but. We kind of connected. When I read your thing about computer studies, I've, I've told you when we started talking, I literally read your, your bio like that. And I was like, snap, you know, I could have gone to do, I wanted to do performing arts. No, no, it's better you do a law A level. It's better you do computer, you know, and things like that. We kind of got um, a, a connection, um, I believe with Simon Sinek. I think uh, you tell people to go and look at Start With Why. Obviously I love Start With Why, but why, why do you think that's so important? Because I think it's it's the the bit that most people miss. I think it is it feels sometimes it feels too simple to be effective that rather than talking about how or what or just talking about how or what you talk about why. But I think when you listen to Simon, when you understand that people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. Mm -hmm. That's the same for selling as it is for leading a team of people. People will not buy into, you need to do this without the why. Yeah. People are very curious and think about, you know, when, when your children are growing up, they, they, they ask why a lot, you know, they're exploring the why, it becomes very important to them. Normally to a point whereby you can no longer answer their whys because you just don't get it yourself. Um, but I think that's, that's the thing people miss. Um, so I think it's, it's so simple, it's so effective because it's it's human psychology it's 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 actually just fact you know people don't buy what you do they buy why you do it and if you can sell that if you can talk about the why then you will communicate in a really effective way that gets people on board uh, and gets people believing what you believe no and again that's just you know again it's why we connected on linkedin to be honest because when you when you are when you find people out there that go, I get that, you, you know, that it's so amazing when you start thinking about it, how many people are thinking the same way as you are, you know, in that sense. And I'm, you know, um, 
One thing you did on LinkedIn recently, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about LinkedIn a lot, but one thing you did recently was you shared a story about uh, from your granddad, who I believe is called Dance, which is a which is a very unique, unique name. Tell us, tell us for the benefit of my listeners who may not have seen it, but tell us that story. Tell us about the book and tell us what it still means to you to this day. Yeah. Um, so the story is called Dance, well, uh, Dance When You Can. Um, and it was a book that my granddad wrote with my brother when he was just, he just turned 90. Uh, and he was talking about stuff that he'd never really talked about before. So he never used to talk about the war because for him, it was a very traumatic experience and something he didn't want to relive and he didn't want to share those stories. Yeah. Um, so, so he'd always been quite closed in certain areas of his life. Um, but I was talking about it because I found the book. Um, it was one of those things that, you know, you put into a drawer, you read it, you put it into a drawer and, and, and it popped back up. Uh, and it got me thinking about two very important life lessons that my granddad taught me. So imagine the scene, um, granddad was in hospital, he was okay, uh, he was just a little bit poorly. He was probably at that point in his late 80s um, and I, I went to visit him and there was just me and him having a good old chat um, and the two of us could talk a lot so th these chats went on quite a lot. And he all of a sudden went, son I want to talk you, teach you two really important lessons. He was like, these lessons have served me well, and I know they'll serve you as well. So he said, right, lesson number one, he said, always treat people well, always make people happy, always make them feel really good about themselves. He said, watch this. And with that, he called this nurse over. He was like, nurse, nurse, come here, come here, come here. He was like, just got to tell you, you work so hard. He's like, you're one of the best here. He was like, you look after me so well. He was like, and I just wanted to say thank you and tell you, you're doing a great job. And, and she beamed this huge smile and she, she kind of walked away with a spring in her step. And you could tell that that comment, that feedback wasn't something she heard very often and made her day. And, and when she walked away, he did say to me, look, she'll give me extras for me dinner now. Um, so <laughs> there was a bit of bribery in there potentially. Um, he said, and the other lesson he was like, which has always been important to me is, always do a job you love um he was like i've been very lucky throughout my career he was always a driver mm. i've always done a job i love even when i was in the war i was driving um i've been trained he was trained by rolls royce to to be a chauffeur driver and he was a chauffeur driver driving around really beautiful rolls royces he drove coaches taking people on holiday which made them happy so he enjoyed that um he drove lorries he drove you know anything he drove it um, and and that was something he loved doing and to him that was really important and I think that is so true and I think I speak to a lot of people who are not 100% happy in their career for two reasons one their their career choice doesn't line up with their purpose they know they're here to add value to someone else's wealth they know they're here to leave a legacy and they haven't connected in terms of the job has not connected to their purpose and their legacy. And the other one is, and this is really common, and I think it's become more apparent because of lockdown, because of COVID, because of everything that's going on, all of a sudden, I'm hearing a lot more, money isn't important, my work-life balance is important to me. I want to spend time with my children, I wanna see my family, I want to be able to switch off. I don't wanna take a holiday and come back and be stressed out mm -hmm. 
um, as soon as I walk back through the door. And I want to have to be working a million hours before I go on holiday to make sure everything's in place. Mm. I want to be able to balance the two uh, in a more effective way that gives me more quality time with the people I love. And I get that and I think that's really important. Um, and, and I made that mistake. I made that mistake in my career, working a ridiculous amount of hours, 60, 70, 80 hour a week, thinking that this was making me look like a hero and I was going to get promoted. What it actually did was point out that I wasn't being as effective as I could be. <laughs> and I, I didn't value my family and, and my loved ones enough, you know, and, and, and I, I burnt out to a point. I, I got to that point of just going, I don't think I, this is sustainable. I don't think I can do it anymore. And you don't need to. That's the honest answer. You do not need to. Um, so, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sitting there for the for the people who are watching the video. I'm sitting there nodding. I, I know. I, not that I know about you, Mark, but it does resonate a lot with myself. I'm not. I remember you burning out. I don't. Obviously, you know. But it did. I've been through a very similar experience, and it work life balance. I think is is just. It's become bigger, isn't it? Over the years, it's become a bigger, bigger part of, of work. With what you see, again, without talking too professionally. Do companies now understand that work-life balance to people might just mean a little bit more than the, the paycheck? Uh, a question, sorry. You know, some, some do. Uh, there's some great companies out there that are really looking forward, looking into more flexible working, working from home. I don't think working from home is fixing anything because I think mm. people are finding that they're working from home, but they've still got their laptop on at eight o'clock at night. Mm. So they're still not connected with their family. They may be in the same room, but they're not connected. Um, some some companies are obviously looking to four day weeks and things like that, and, and things feel like they're about to change. But I think for people to be able to do that, they need to be really effective and still deliver the job because companies still need to be profitable. They still need to like turn the numbers. That's what they're there for. Mm. Um, so I think it, it it's going to need some investment in skill, in capability to be able to be as effective or more effective if possible whilst working less. Uh, and I think that's win-win for the company and for the employee. And I think good companies will understand that, but not all do. Um, so. Yeah, no, and again, fair question again. I'm sorry for putting you on your toes. As I say, I do, I do let my guests know some questions. Like, I promise I won't cite, you know, completely blindside you. And then I go, oh, about this, based on the conversation. But um, so you've talked about your kind of career history. Let's talk about how you are now on your own. So this started, uh, if I remember right from our chat before, this started from something you heard on the M25, is that right? And then this has kind of helped you where you are today. Do you want to bridge that gap for the for the listeners? Yeah. Um, so if anyone if anyone knows the M25, um, anyone that doesn't know it, it's a, a, a horrendous motorway that runs all the way around the outside of London. Um, it's very loosely called a motorway because it's more of a car park. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to pay to sit there on it for the hours that you spend on it. So I was, I, I live in the southeast of, uh, of England, I live in Kent, uh, and I was commuting 65 miles, 75 miles into work every day. And most of that journey was around the M25. And it was taking me two and a half, three hours to get to work, two and a half hours, three hours to get home. And I used to use that time to listen to a lot of motivational speakers, a lot of uh, podcasts, I used to listen to YouTube, the sound was coming through the speakers, but I wasn't watching it because you're not allowed. Um, Good save. <laughs> one of the things, yeah, just just to be clear, yeah. you're not allowed to do that. Uh, but one of the things that was was I was listening to was Bob Proctor. And Bob Proctor really helps people around um, 
it's around um, kind of think and grow rich and 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 positive thinking and and how you can you 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 become what you think about and where your thoughts uh, you know turn into things. Great, I, I find him really inspirational, mm. um, and and he's made a huge career out of helping people to find a really positive space. Um, and one of his videos or one of his one of his um, podcasts that I was listening to at the end of it, he went. If you want to do what we do, if you want to help people to live a better life, then get in touch and do this and do that. And if I was moving, I'd have probably swerved off the road at that point because it was just like this this, this huge light bulb came on and went, oh my God, that is what you're meant to be doing. You're not meant to be doing this role in, in the corporate world as much as I loved it. The travel was a bit much, the work-life balance wasn't particularly great for me because of how I how I made it. Um, but I'm, I'm meant to be doing this. So I instantly phoned my mum. I was like, mum, 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 mum. She was like, what? You never ring me, what's going on? I was like, I'm gonna be a life coach. She was like, I, of course you are. You always, when you say you're gonna do something, you do it, but what is it? And I was like, <laughs> I don't really know, but I'm gonna help people. Um, and I, I'm gonna help them to live a better life. And I think that that turned into the start of something. I didn't. I wasn't really clear on who it was I was going to help and with what. Um, so I tried various things. I'm going to be the happiness coach, you know, because I believe that people should live their happiest version of their lives. I believe that people should remove all the stuff that's negative and getting in their way and holding them back and have that shift in mindset. But no one was really interested in being happy. I kind of worked that out quite quickly. I'm happy. It's okay. Um, so it wasn't a sustainable concept. Uh, it, maybe it works, but it just it just wasn't right. And then the more people I spoke to, the more people I started working with, the more I realised what they were looking to me for was the leadership stuff. And I think that comes because I have a very strong viewpoint on work. And that is that we spend on average 90,000 hours of our life at work. And people should love that because it, we don't... We don't live to work, we work so that we can live. And I think people need to have a sense of purpose. They need to feel like they're adding value to something, to, to the organization, to themselves, to you know, to, to their manager, to their team around them. Um, and I think that's my way of making people happy, is by teaching leaders how to create a culture where people love what they do. But in doing that, they're creating a really dynamic team who deliver better results. And by doing that, the line manager themselves, the leader that I'm working with, can also reduce how many hours they're working. And they're not doing 60, 78 hours weeks because they found the way of engaging people, switching people on, increasing productivity, delegating well, communicating well, inspiring, and getting the job done. Um, so that's how I ended up. That, that one podcast on the M25 literally changed my world. Um, and it was a brave move stepping out of corporate, you know, for anyone who's sitting there on the fence thinking, I'd love to speak to someone because your gremlin, same as mine, will say you can't do that because, 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 because it will give you 10 reasons why you need to stay stuck where you are because it wants to keep you safe. Mm. Um, so I fought all those gremlins and, and, and I'm so glad I did. No, no regrets whatsoever. Just, just push her. I get to work with some amazing people now. I get to speak to some amazing people. I get to hear so many amazing stories from people all around the world uh, about what works for them in leadership, what they're struggling with in leadership, you know. And 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 I get to help them. What what's there for me? There's nothing more rewarding than that, you know. No, that's so, brilliant. 
So for if you for the benefit list, it's a bit of a chance for you to plug. So so how can people find you? I'm on this podcast. Brilliant. <laughs> and I'm very grateful. <laughs> if you're watching on YouTube, I'm here. Um, so find me on LinkedIn because that's where I spend, similar to what you said earlier, I spend the majority of my time on LinkedIn. Uh, so it's Mark Holson. Um, I'm also, find me on Facebook. Find me on, well, I'd say YouTube, but I'm not really on it until you put me on there later. So I, I'd say go to place LinkedIn um because that's where i'm most active that's where you'll see more about the the stuff that potentially will help you send me an email um so mark at uh mark at mark holson coaching.com can't i don't even know my own email address because i never email myself in fairness and um, send me an email um if you just want to talk through some stuff if, if anything that I've said resonates with you if you're in that corporate world, but you want to escape if you're a leader and you want to spend less time at work and more time with your loved ones. I'd love to help you with that. Um, you know, so so get in touch if I can give you one, one top tip on a call. That's great. You know, if you go away and it makes a difference like that podcasted to me on the motorway, then brilliant, brilliant. That's fine. And I will, in the show notes in the description, I'll leave some links to you to get to, to, to your stuff as well. So I'll give you a bit of help there as well. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know it. <laughs> it sounds right. It sounds right for me. There's going to be this other coach called Mark that's out there getting all these emails and you'll be like, wow. Okay. <laughs> it's very true. I'm going to, I, I sent you some questions before we, 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 when we were talking about today, and I sent you a few that you said, oh, that'd be good. I'd like to go away and think about them. And they are quite on the spot questions. So first one is, is there such a thing as a good and bad leader or bad leader? Yeah. Okay. Just remind us the podcast. <laughs> that was just a definite yes, there are. I, I, I kind of call it two ends of the scales. You've got bad managers, sometimes not intentional, uh, but they just don't understand the, the right things to do. And I think if you if anyone thinks back through their career, they will put people into that category. They will see managers that they work for that they really struggled with because there was no connection there because it was very one sided. And then you have inspirational leaders. You have people, the top 10% uh, of managers, I'd say, earn that title of inspirational leader. People follow them. It doesn't matter where they go, they want to work with them. Mm. You know, so they're, they're the ones that get it right, yeah. Um, and what can cultures be like with both? So again, I'm not asking too much of an experience, but if you had two businesses, one that was led by the best and one that was led by the worst, what is that like to be inside? Um, you'll know the difference. And, and one of the things is that I'd say is a, a bit of a measure, is if you're dealing with managers, they are focused on the task and they're focused on the present. So they, they're interested in getting the job done and they're interested in this is what we need to do today. If you work in a company where it's leaders, they're looking at the future, the vision, and they're focused on people because they know that when you get people into a place whereby they are inspired, engaged, and they're contributing to the vision, they're bought into the vision because they, they just get it, it's, it's been created with them then they they they're leaders that's the leadership culture you know so that's the difference between the two um if someone's at the wrong end so as i said we won't call them a bad leader because you said it's you know leader is something you want positive but if someone is at the wrong end can they become 
a good leader? Can they become inspiration? What would it take? What if you could give them three things that they could do to change to become a good leader? What would you say are the three fundamentals? Really good question. Yeah, good question. Yeah. So for anyone who's only listening or watching, my eyes just went up. Like, um, I would say, yes, you can change. You can change. So the ultimately, how we behave as a leader is based on our beliefs. And what you need to do is explore your beliefs around leadership. There are some great tools out there that are going to help with that. The Leader's Secret Code is a tool that I use that helps you to identify your leadership beliefs and compare them to some of the top performing leaders around the world. Because those leadership beliefs, our beliefs are formed from the environment we're in. So many people now that are bad managers have often grown up in a world of bad managers. It's the environment they've grown up with. It forms their belief and their belief forms their behaviours and their actions. So the way of shifting it is to be very clear on what your beliefs are around leadership and and, and explore that. Self-awareness, seek feedback, talk to people, ask people, Mm. you know, what is it I do as your leader that you love? What would you want me to stop doing? What would you want me to change? How could I be different? just just do not be afraid of the feedback just push 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 for feedback every opportunity you get give me some feedback and that doesn't need to just be your team that can be your peers that can be your line manager give me feedback give me feedback give me feedback um i used to say to to my line managers don't waste your time with all the good feedback tell me what i need to do better tell me what i need to do different you know and that used to really throw them off track and they're like you know i there's been a few times when I've had a top performing performance review and I was like, no, 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 I'm not having that. Knock me down, knock me down because I need to know how I can continue to grow and be better. Mm. Um, so be hungry for that feedback that helps you grow that constructive criticism that's going to help you to be a better leader. Um, and, and invest time in your development. I think we tend to get busy being busy, mm. but the way out of doing that is to to invest in your development, is to go on YouTube and watch videos, is to read books on leadership, is to, you know, buy that Simon Sinek book and and watch his video because you'll get a lot out of that. Mm. Um, And and I'd finish it by saying you can't see the picture when you're in the frame. Um, And I think that's a great quote. I think when you're in the moment, you cannot see what's going on. It's like when you're a leader, sometimes it's like you're in a maze. So you're in this maze and all you can see is hedges. You can't see where you're going right. You can't see where you're going wrong. When you invest in someone who's outside of the frame, someone who's hovering above the maze and can see the route that you need to take that goes, yeah, yeah, come on. What would happen if you go left? I think that's a better option for you. Let's do it. Uh, and pushes you through that maze. Um, so it's a bit of a strange analogy, but in my mind, it makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, so have someone who can mentor you, coach you. And I'm not, doesn't matter who that is. Obviously, I'd love it to be me because I have so much experience, but but just get someone that's going to be your critical friend. And when I say critical friend, those two words sit together really well. Friend, because they're not malicious in their intent. Critical, because they're going to tell you it as it is. It's not your husband. It's not your wife. It's not your mum. It's not your dad, because they're going to tell you what you want to hear in the right way. They're not going to be as critical as they need to be. Um, so someone that has walked the journey that you've someone that knows what works and what doesn't someone that knows the root of this maze and can show you through um so get that support from wherever yeah i mean amazing points and something that kind of highlighted that you said about self-awareness and again that is it's been kind of like a key word for me this very recently 
But why do you think we're so, or why do you think some people maybe are scared to ask for feedback or get defensive when they're given feedback? Why do you think that is? We can't all think we're perfect. (laughs) Do you know, what comes up for me straight away is because if you have feedback, you may need to change. And what most of us resist is change. We resist change because it feels uncomfortable. We resist change because our brains from from medieval times, from like when we were cavemen, um, have been programmed to keep us safe by keeping to a routine and keep things safe and stable. Um, so when we're faced with something that's slightly different, then it's scary. And and our minds will say, no, don't do it. Don't make that change. Don't Don't go that way. Don't do that. Stay safe do what you normally do. So if you ask for feedback and you get feedback, it can feel quite uncomfortable because you might need to change. And then who do you become? Um, and do you want to change? You know, Think about some of, the, some of the best leaders that you've ever worked for, guaranteed the one thing they'll do is ask for feedback and use that feedback to adapt and grow. Think about some of the very worst ones you've worked with and the chances are they believe their way is the right way this is how it is and they don't want to change they see absolutely no benefit in being like that inspirational leader because the way they do it is right and because that means they've got to change and if they change what happens so fear of change brilliant and again yeah i mean I totally understand that and it's really good that you're, you're putting out there for my listeners i want to so let's talk about mark so how does because what mark gets rolling on that camera with the videos on linkedin there is such an energy is that Mark 24-7? Yeah, of course. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> um, uh, I'm, I'm an, uh, people would say I'm an extrovert. I would say I'm an introvert. So anyone who meets me believes straight away that I'm an extrovert because I get straight into conversation. You can't shut me up. Um, someone who, but if someone saw me at home and someone who's lived with me or, or someone you know that knows me, in my own environment will say that I'm an introvert because I actually get frightened about opening the front door. I don't talk to my neighbours. I'm not the best friend because I'm, I, I really find it hard to, to find the energy to do that kind of stuff. That, that friend stuff, it just, it just bamboozles me. Um, that's not that I haven't got friends, it's that I've got a very small circle of friends. Um, so I think the reason for that is I see my role in leadership as to be that extroverted, engaging, inspiring, communicating. You know, if I walked into a branch of the regional, I'd be the one sticking the kettle on. I'd be the one making everyone drink. I'd be the one walking in with donuts and be the high energy, talk to me, building trust, having great conversations, getting people to feel connected with me. At home, I I recharge. So the me at home Mm. does recharge and, and I love nothing more than to chill out. I remember someone saying to me, oh, you must be great fun to work, to live with. And I said, do you really think that I do the hoovering like this? Do you, do you really think I'm this animated and excited when I'm doing the housework? It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Um, so I think it's a choice. I think it's something you can switch on. Um, and a year ago, I would never, ever have sat in front of a camera because I hated it. Um, I would hide from cameras. I, and it took me 28 attempts to record my very first video to put on LinkedIn. Um, and then five hours before I was brave enough to post it, you know, because that just wasn't my thing. So I think this again is about pushing yourself outside your comfort zone and doing some of the stuff that helps you to help people. My purpose is to help people to do that. I need to do some of this stuff that feels uncomfortable um, and to be this person. So. 
No, and again, it's it's refreshing. It's it's so nice because if if I if I point a little bit of a microscope on myself, there was a long time where um, Rich, the, the the manager, when I used to work in in the retail sector, was this great performer. Was this you know? And again, very similar. People saying to my wife, "What's he like at home?" Well, actually. You don't move very much, you know, compared to this this kind of character, this thing. And it took me a long time to be self-aware that they are both me. How comfortable are you that they are both you, the introvert oh, and the extrovert? Yeah, 110%. You know, uh, I think the reason there's a difference is because I'm recharging. I think what's happened since I've come out of the corporate world and I spend more time alone and on my own and you know on calls rather than in groups and things like that particularly because of lockdown I think that I've I've found myself being more of that extrovert at home because I've got the energy you know I'm, and, and I'm longing for that because that is me in, inside so I don't think it's a case of switching between two personalities I think it's where you get your energy from where you don't get your energy from I think previously I invested so much energy in being the kind of leader that inspired and engaged and, and excited people that by the time I got home, I was I was needing to recharge my batteries. I was needing to switch off. Uh, and that meant that at home, I was someone different. Um, I'm not so much in that space now, I will say. I'm, I'm more I'm more flamboyant at home. I have started hoovering by dancing, you know? <laughs> is uh, the videos or pictures available on LinkedIn? I'm not sure. Is there, you know, no. is there evidence? <laughs> no, there, there is evidence out there. Um, yeah. Um, we'll, 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 we'll park that one. There is evidence. <laughs> he's thinking, why did I come on this podcast now? You know, he said he's, yeah. he's going to be nice. Look, you know, I mean, we've, we've covered um, a lot of things today. And, you know, I'm so happy to have someone on because at a time where I'm was looking for for help in terms of looking to understand why I think like I do and why I want to do a podcast and why I want to help people. When you find people like yourself and you can go, I get it. You know, you the, the, the trouble with this world is you probably don't hear it enough, but thank you for what you do because you have helped me you know why I'm sat again again and I hate to kind of regurgitate your answers, but this podcast took three months to press go into the world because what were people going to think? You know, I can't do the first series on camera. What are people going to think? But when you've got people like you who are so kind of motivated and you probably don't even know how much you're motivating people like myself to come and do this. But the one thing I wanted to say for that, you know, for, for putting, you know, for you coming on the podcast, it gives me a chance to say thank you for everything you do and i i hope you mean i hope you understand i mean that so generally that's awesome thank you i really i really appreciate that because often you don't know the impact you're making on other people's lives you know good or bad often you know you, you don't really realize that so it, it's really nice to hear it um i think if there's people out there that any of this is resonating with one of the first blockers they'll have is about the stranger danger about talking to someone else I know I'm strange, but I promise you can just have a conversation with me. And the fact that people think, and, and this frustrates me more than anything, is people think I'm trying to sell them something. Listen, I love what I do so much that I will give you some of my time for free. Now, I can't sustain that by giving you everything for free. Um, but if you want some free time to find your purpose, find your value, find your belief, find why you do what you do, I, I, I love those conversations. You know, I love those conversations. 
it's not going to cost you anything to have a free conversation with me and hopefully you will get one thing out of it that's going to move you in a better direction and if you want to work with me for longer than that then we'll do that that's when I start to charge you money of course <laughs> and you know and I and I can echo that because you know when we did connect first of all on LinkedIn you know we've kind of developed a kind of relationship where I kind of I do look out for you now and I see you know you put stuff on my things and it's, it's a great connection and this is what we need more of in the world when we are doing this because we can all need some we all need someone just to to give that to but again my thanks to you obviously is is without a doubt um, so I ask all my, all, all my people this, I'm going to ask you two questions. First one is five years from now, where are you? What are you doing? Five years from now, I am hoovering in a pair of high heels and a long wig. Uh, that's not true. That is not true. It will not happen because I'll be nearly 50. Um, five years, <laughs> I, I, want to have, I want to have helped change the culture within business to help leaders to find their work-life balance to push through some stuff I, I, I want to have a list of a list of people that I've helped um, that I, I've left something behind in their world um, I'd love my business to be kind of growing to the point that people were finding me and coming to me and talking to me um, I think it's very hard if, if anyone else is in this position. It's very hard to grow that brand, to grow that, and to build the trust, um, especially when you're just someone that's on social media or you're someone that's that's on a podcast. It's very hard to to kind of get that connection. So I'd I'd love for people to be coming to me and, and asking for my help. Um, I'd love to have more space for my dogs to walk. So I'd, I'd have a bigger garden in five years. Um, yeah, and healthy, fit, and yeah, just loving, just loving life. life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. And again, it is a difficult question sometimes for people, but I want to take you back that you're listening to this. This podcast is the one that you're listening to when your life show, when you needed, when you've needed that little ping to change. What do you want to say to that guy? If you've got one chance to say this one line on a podcast to change someone's life, like like you said, happened to you on the M25, what do you say to him as now? I would say for everyone listening, actually, you are better than you actually know you are. You are better than you know you are. You worry too much. You worry that what will people think and it holds you back from doing stuff. Most of us, um, you know, there's, there is a goal, there is a dream, there is ambition in you. Do not be held back what you think might happen, what someone might say, what someone might think of you. Because actually, those that, what do they say, those that mind don't matter, those that matter don't mind. You will have the full support of the people that really matter to you in whatever decisions you make in life. And if you don't, then just have a look around you and find those people that are going to support you because they're going to be more important to you in the future. But you, you, are, you are better than you think you are. And I'm, I'm saying that message to me because there's days where I have so much self-doubt. There are days when I don't believe I can do this. And there are days when I believe that I'm not offering value to it. You've got to stop that voice and you've got to push through uh, and, and get some help with that because it's always going to be there. You just need to be able to control it and to move past it. Fantastic. Great answer. And again, just sat here really, really good. And I suppose, you know, the blessing I've got today is you agreed to do this podcast. 
we become connections on LinkedIn, but do you know what, you know, every day that that connection has been, I just feel closer and closer. And again, you're going to be a future, a, fr a friend going forward. Cause you've, you know, as I say, you, you, you do lighten up a life and that's what, again, that's what I need in my life. And that's what I'm offering to you. And the guys listening to this, find people like Mark, honestly, find Mark. He will just make you feel better. So yeah, hundred percent. Mark, thank you so much for coming to do this today. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, honour, um, as I say, and you're welcome back whenever you want to come and do another one. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm available tomorrow. No, I'm joking. It's been an absolute pleasure. It's my first podcast, first time anyone's invited me onto a podcast. I've absolutely loved it. Um, I think you're incredible. I think what you're doing is incredible. Um, and I wish you every success with this. Um, for anyone listening, I'm going to plug for you now, for anyone listening share this with someone share this not not just for me not if it doesn't have to be the one i'm in share this podcast because these conversations help other people if you've got one thing from it share it with someone else because it's going to help them too um i think what you're doing is awesome love it love Pleasure. it thank you very much mark and again have a great day and take care Thanks for listening. Now on next week's episode, I'm delighted to announce that we've got uh, Sam, Gina and Doug from the Autism Rocks and Rolls pod. I'm absolutely looking forward to that uh, interview. So check it out next week. Goodbye and take care. Thanks for listening to this episode. If this podcast is something you enjoy, then please subscribe to the podcasts and make sure you like and share so more people can hear our message. Remember, if you have any questions for me or my guests, you can get in touch via our website, insidetheorange.co.uk, on Twitter, at OrangeWatts, on Instagram, at InsideTheOrange, or on Facebook, on the Inside the Orange podcast. And finally, there's an email of insidethisorange at gmail.com. All these links will be available in the description. Thanks for listening. Goodbye and take care.